When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Cheeseheads. Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's curd and long. Hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Ryan Horvath. Hey, see Sparky Pfeiffer. Time for another edition of Curd and Long. No Ryan Horvath uh, the remainder of this week. Uh, feeling under the weather, so uh, uh, hopefully he will be back next week. So Ryan Solo with um, yours truly today on our Wednesday edition of Curd and Long. Lots to get to, including, I should say, the NFL Draft. The 2025 NFL Draft heading to Green Bay. Uh, but before we get to that, I, I want to get into an article that was written uh, a couple days ago, I guess it was, uh, by Paul Brettel, who I've interviewed uh, numerous times uh, and uh, on the 1250amthefan.com website uh, in the past. He, of course, is part of Packers Wire, part of USA Today, and he had uh, a great article. You can follow him on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettel, B-R-E-T-L. And the article it's categorizing opposing defenses on Packers 2023 regular season schedule. If you haven't seen this, I'm going to go over uh, some of this uh, here for you uh, during this podcast. So we talk about Jordan Love, the inexperience of the wide receivers, the inexperience of the tight ends. And then you do have experience at running back, obviously, with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. This offensive line, you assume, uh, if they are healthy, should be pretty good on the left side with Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. Center is a question mark, as we talked about in the last podcast. Uh, and then the right side, uh, if the assumption is running in is playing right guard and Yash is at right tackle, seems to be okay. Or if Zach Tom were to come in and replace somebody on the right side, I think you're still pretty comfortable there. But still, it's going to be the making the adjustments on offense between the wide receivers, tight ends, and the quarterback, Jordan Love. Third down defenses. Now, these are stats from last year of some of the teams on the Packers' schedule. Last year, third down defense. The Broncos, who the Packers will face, were number two. The Giants were number five. The Buccaneers were number eight in third down defense last year. Now, bottom 10 of 2022 last year. The Panthers, 23. The Saints, 24 on third down defense. The Raiders, 25. The Lions, 30. The Falcons, 31. The Bears, 32. Now, do remember and do understand that a lot of these teams have added stuff. The Falcons have had a dang new or a whole new roster with all the money they had in free agency. They've added a bunch of uh, veteran older players to that defense, most of them on one-year deals. Uh, so we have no idea what the Falcons will look like. The Lions have used the the draft for the most part to try and help out uh, their their side of the ball over there. And then, of course, the Bears also had a ton of money. Uh, to throw at the defensive side of the ball as well, just like the Atlanta Falcons. So these numbers aren't necessarily rock solid that, hey, you know, they're going to be just as bad as last year because more than likely they will improve. 
But when you start from the bottom, uh, you're probably not going to go from worst to first and third down defense. So that will be an area to explore, you would think, against several of those teams. Red zone defense. Red zone offense is going to be a big thing for this Green Bay Packers team because if you're going to win football games with a Joe Barry-led defense, uh, and Joe Barry the other day, oh, you know, we don't have 10 weeks to figure this out this year. You're right. You don't. And as I said in the last podcast, if I was Brian Gutekunds, you have to the bye week, week six. If it's not figured out by then, you're out of here, and I'll promote somebody from within to be the D coordinator the rest of the year. So while you don't have probably a top five defense this year with Joe Barry, more than likely, we all thought that last year and it didn't happen, you're going to have to score some points. And when you get into the red zone, the more opportunities you can uh, get at that end zone and scoring some points, the better off you're going to be. Red zone defenses from last year, Packers opponents, top 10 from 2022. Again, Paul Brettle, USA Today, uh, uh, part of uh, Packers Wire. The Rams were number one in red zone defense last year. And now the Rams are blowing themselves up. So I highly doubt they'll be number one again. The Saints, number five. Saints always have a good defense. No shock there. Broncos, number eight. Again, same. Giants, number 10. So four teams in the top 10 in red zone defense. Bottom, Lions, 26. Bears, 27. The Chiefs, 29. The Buccaneers, 30. And the Vegas Raiders, 31. But again... If you're going to score in the red zone, more than likely, you're going to have to run the football fairly well, and you're going to have to have a couple guys step up to be that guy that gets 10 or 12 touchdowns uh, and eats uh, inside the 20-yard line or eats inside the 5-yard line and is that guy. If you go back in Packers history, one of those guys that was a great red zone guy, a great touchdown guy uh, in those situations was Bubba Franks. Bubba Franks between the 20s, eh, okay. Bubba Franks and the and the goal line scenarios. That's that's kind of where Bubba Franks made his made his money at the end of the day. And I remember Packers historian Cliff Crystal was never a big Bubba Franks guy. Never ever ever was. And I totally and completely understood that he wasn't a huge guy uh, on Bubba Franks and why. But when it came to the red zone, he was pretty good uh, in the red zone at that point. Quarterback pressures. Now this here uh, is another one that's important because. For the Packers, we'll use them as uh, an example here. When you talk about offensive line play, Bakhtiari missed quite a bit of time. Elton Jenkins came back from his injury, but wasn't the same player until they moved him back to left guard. So he struggled when he was out there until he went back to left guard. Uh, and Zach Tom ended up playing towards you know the, throughout the course of the year. Uh, so if he ends up being a regular starter, that experience last year obviously uh, will pay off. Myers had a down year for the Packers at center, so hopefully he he gets better. As well, but as we stated earlier, you feel fairly confident, I think, in this offensive line. Top 10 in total pressures from opposing defensive Packers will see this year in 2022. Kansas City was number one. And we all know the Kansas City Chiefs' Jordan Love experience the last time those two saw each other. Steve Spagnola said, I'm just going to continue to bring everybody at you until you can figure out how to beat it. He couldn't. Matt LaFleur couldn't. And... They still had a chance to win the game at the end. Even with what the defense was doing in Jordan Love, if you go back and remember... The Packers still had a chance late in that game. The Giants, number eight. All right. Bottom 10 from 2022. Same culprits for the most part. Raiders, 23. Uh, talking about pass rush. The Broncos, surprisingly, 24. The Chargers, because they can't keep guys healthy, 26. The Rams with Aaron Donald, 27. The Saints, 29. The Falcons, 31. And the Bears, 32. 
of all of these defensive metrics from last year that we've read, I will say the one that sticks out to me most is the lack of quarterback pressures from so many teams on the Packers schedule. That is seven teams in the bottom 10 from last year of which the Packers will face. It's a big deal because I firmly believe if you give Jordan Love time, he's probably going to be pretty good this year. That's my belief. Maybe I'll be wrong. I firmly believe if you give him time, he's going to be a pretty good quarterback this year. Now, if he gets pressured and has to go one way or the other and make plays on the run, we'll see. He showed the ability to do that in the brief time we saw him last year. Uh, Can he do it consistently? We'll find out. I know a lot of people always thought Rodgers was probably better moving than he was sitting in the pocket half of the time. Uh, We'll see what that means for uh, the Packers this year and Jordan Love. But if the Packers offensive line can keep Jordan Love clean, that obviously is going to give the Packers the best chance uh, to win football games. Run defense from this Paul Brettel uh, uh, article that he put up at USA Today. And again, follow him on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettel. Top 10 from 2022. Steelers, number nine. The only top 10 run defense the Packers will face this year based on last year's numbers. Bottom 10. Raiders, Bears, Lions, Giants, who have been up there in a majority of these defensive categories, could not stop the run. And the Chargers were dead last. Giants were 31st, Bears 30th, Bears or Lions 30th, Bears 27th, Raiders 23rd. Also uh, good because you expect the Packers to run the football more than maybe they've run it in the past. If they do that, seeing teams that can't stop the run, always a good thing. We all know Packers... As Packer Nation, that when an opposing team plays the Green Bay Packers, they know they can run the football. Because seemingly forever, uh, Packers' run defense has really never been all that great. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Turnovers. Now, this here is a category of opposing defenses I think also is important. Why? Because I expect Jordan Love to take more chances than Aaron Rodgers did. I think Jordan Love is going to be closer to a a Mahomes or a Favre or somebody like that where he's going to trust his arm strength to make throws uh, in between defenders or he's going to give the opportunity to the wide receiver to go make a play, whether that be a jump ball, whatever the case may be. He's going to trust those receivers to make those plays. Rodgers, on the other hand, I think most of the time, was concerned about turning the ball over. And I get it, right? Your quarterback rating is going to not be as good if you got 20 interceptions or 18 interceptions. 
Could Rodgers have made more plays had Rodgers been willing to take more chances during his time as a starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers? I say yes. And I think Jordan Love will take those chances. Will Jordan Love have more interceptions year to year than Rodgers? Absolutely. I would be absolutely flabbergasted. When was the last time you heard that word? Flabbergasted if Aaron Ra- if I should say Jordan Love doesn't throw 15, 16, 17 interceptions. I really would be. If he if he ends this year one with four interceptions, completely shocked. I just think he's gonna have higher interceptions year to year than Rodgers did. He's probably going to be somewhere in the middle of the league as far as interceptions. That's just kind of the mentality he plays with. And I'm okay with it. I'm willing to live with it. Providing that some of these opportunities, when you take your shots, work. Right? If he makes that throw and you're like, whoo, he's got that ball in between two defenders. What a play. And then later, you know, if that ball gets picked, you have to be willing to live with it. If you were excited about when he made that great play to thread it between two receivers, you have to be willing to live with it when he throws the interception. Kind of like everybody was with Brett. I don't though think he's going to throw as many picks as Brett. And that's going to be awfully difficult to do. But I do think he'll take more chances than Rodgers. Top 10 defenses uh, for turnovers last year. Vikings, number 9 last year. They were the only one on the Packers schedule from last year that were top 10 in turnovers. Bottom 10 in turnovers. Buccaneers, Giants, Falcons. Panthers, Saints, Raiders. You're noticing a lot of Falcons and Panthers, and that's why those guys were at the top of the draft, obviously. And the scary thing, I think, for the Buccaneers is with questionable quarterback play and their defense isn't any good, they're going to be god-awful. And to be fair, if you're going to be god-awful, this is the year to be god-awful with Caleb Williams sitting at the top of the draft uh, coming up next football season, the outstanding quarterback from USC. So overall, as we talked about before with this schedule, I still think they're in position to win nine games. Somewhere in that area. I've been saying seven to nine. Could they win more than nine? Yeah, I think so. Less than seven with this schedule? Man, I'd be really surprised. I, I really would be. This schedule sets up to be pretty favorable. Now, will there be a couple of surprise teams on here that play better than you expect? Yes. Happens every year. But... Will there also be a couple of teams that you expect to be good that may fall flat on their face and not have as good of a year? Yes, that also happens every year. So it kind of balances out really at the end of the day normally. Now, who are those teams going to be? Don't know. You know, it could be the Falcons could be that team that might be better than people expect this year. And the Packers lose to the Falcons in week two in Atlanta. And everybody's like, man, come on. They were horrible last year. How are you losing this game? And then you look up at the end of the year and the Falcons got nine wins or something and uh, win the South. Everybody's picking the Saints to win the South, but I I think anybody could win that division at this point because that division isn't very good. So that obviously uh, is going to happen. But as a Packer fan, I just don't know how you aren't excited, how you're just not itching uh, to get to training camp practices to see Jordan Love and these young receivers and young tight ends play. I mean, for me, I I absolutely cannot wait. Before we get to the Hall of Fame stuff, I, I want to go over one other thing that I found on Twitter. Uh, and this was uh, in Rob Domofsky's Twitter feed uh, that I got a kick out of. And this was from John Meerdink. Uh, do we know who John Meerdink is? No. Uh, he is a writer and podcaster at The Power Sweep uh, and writer and editor at Acme Packing Company, CO, Acme Packing CO. Okay. Uh, he tweeted out, and uh, Domofsky uh, quote tweeted it. 
some of what Aaron Rodgers did during OTAs during his first offseason as a starter. Uh, and this is from Rob Domofsky uh, in the Green Bay Press-Gazette, a newspaper clipping, a much younger Rob Domofsky looking, uh, May 30th, 2008, right? Highlights from Thursday's two-hour OTA practice held inside the Don Hudson Center. Quarterback Aaron Rodgers had his ups and downs. He completed 11 of 15 passes during team periods that focused heavily on third down and red zone situations. Packers literally just did uh, similar type stuff uh, on what would it have been Tuesday. Uh, he threw a 16-yard touchdown pass uh, to Donald Lee. The pass split double coverage by safety Atari Bigby and linebacker Brady Papinka. Okay, that's positive. Uh, he also threw a touchdown to rookie Jordy Nelson, who beat rookie cornerback Pat Lee on a corner route. Rodgers, however, threw one interception and nearly had another picked off. Linebacker A.J. Hawk intercepted Rodgers, who was trying to throw an out to Ravel Martin. Quarterback Tremont Williams had good coverage on Martin, and Hawk jumped to the ball. Rodgers appeared to audible at the line of scrimmage and barely got the snap before the play clock expired. Linebacker Desmond Bishop, who was playing middle linebacker with number one defensive place of the absent Nick Barnett, got his hands on another pass, but couldn't haul it in. So a couple of notes, uh, first of all. Uh, You've had guys like Donald Lee, Atari Bigby, Pat Lee, uh, Ruvel Martin, right? I mean, these these aren't necessarily household names if you talk to NFL fans around the country who they're going to remember probably even being on the Green Bay Packers. But those were some of the guys that were on the fields in these OTAs of who he was competing against uh, at that point. Had one pick, almost had two picks. So I, I read this to you. Again, this was from May 30th of 2008, Green Bay Press-Gazette. I read this to you to remind you that when Jordan Love throws an interception in an OTA or in training camp, it's not end of the world. I remember doing the Wendy's Big Show for years with Gary Ellison and Leroy Butler. And we'd be reading what happens at training camp literally every day. You know, the, as soon as they got into the scrimmage portion of it, uh, Rodgers to this guy, Rodgers to that guy, whoops, interception here, whoops, interception there. And every time I'd be like, ooh, two interceptions in one day for Rodgers, what's going on? And I'd always be told to relax, doesn't mean much, don't worry about it, you're overreacting, Sparky. That's what I always heard. So I am going to forewarn you as Packer fans to relax, let's not overreact if Jordan Love throws a pick here or there. Uh, whether it be an OTA or whether it be in training camp and so forth. But having said that, come on, let's get to training camp. Let's get to training camp at the end of July. Let's get this thing going. Let's get to a preseason game and let's see Jordan Love play. The other part of this that I'm really looking forward to is, oh, for the last, I don't know, decade, I guess, you really never got to see the starting quarterback play, never really got to see the starting wide receivers or tight ends play. Most of the time, those guys were rested because... You don't have any injury situation. Not this year. Matt LaFleur has already said, Jordan Love's playing. <laughs> he is playing in preseason and probably more than a lot of other guys because he wants him to get as many reps as he can prior to the regular season. And as a Packer fan, dude, I am jacked. Let's go. I Put all your wide receivers out there, your young guys. Put your young tight ends out there. Let them play a half of football the first couple of weeks. Let them play three quarters uh, in that last game. Uh, going up to uh, the kickoff of the regular season. Or maybe it's a half of the first game, three quarters in the second game, and maybe you play him a half in the third game uh, if you don't want to risk injury in the last game before the regular season. Whatever the case may be. Let's get them some reps. With all due respect to Sean Clifford, their draft pick quarterback, if Jordan Love gets hurt, it's over. It's over. It's not going to matter one way or the other probably, right? 
So I'm not as worried about getting him or Danny Etling uh, snaps at this point. Now, the one good thing for the Packers is, and probably for a lot of other teams, is now you're able to keep three quarterbacks with this current rule change that just happened here in the last week uh, uh, as part of uh, your roster on game day. So no longer are the days of get two guys hurt and then you got to go to a running back or a wide receiver to play quarterback. So that means on game day, you're going to have Jordan Love and if it's going to be Etling as the backup and that they're on your active roster. And then Clifford technically doesn't count against your active roster, but is required to suit up and is ready to go in if and only if Love and Etling get hurt. Now, they cannot, my understanding is, he cannot come in and play if Etling is struggling, right? So Love and Etling, Love goes out, Etling comes in, third quarter, it's a close game, Etling's already thrown two picks. The Packers can't go, all right, dude, it's not your day. We're going to go get Clifford and give him a chance here to try and get us back in this thing and win this thing. Can't do it. Clifford can only come in and play if he's a third-string quarterback if Etling also gets hurt after Jordan Love gets hurt in that in that same game. So... Just to clarify, that's my belief on how this whole thing is going to work. But that's good because that means that they're going to continue to get some reps. They won't get a ton of reps, uh, obviously, during practice. Hardly any at all, probably. But they'll continue to get some reps. So that I I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see the chemistry between the wide receivers and Jordan Love. I can't wait to see what tight end ends up starting. Or do they start a two-tight end set? Does that become their starting lineup? Week to week is a two-tight end set to start. Uh, Looking forward to that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, let's get to the Hall of Fame stuff. So the NFL announces uh, that the Green Bay Packers are going to get the 2025 NFL Draft. And I, for one, am super excited. I plan on going. There's, I, I'm going to be hard-pressed not to go to this. I, I cannot wait. I love the NFL Draft. It's like, outside of Christmas, it's like my favorite time of the year. It is just amazing. Some things to ponder, right? This thing is happening in May. Matt Schneidman points out on Twitter from The Athletic, uh, it dumps snow on May 1st in Green Bay this year. Mark Murphy said he discussed the possibility of it snowing for the draft here in 2025 with Peter O'Reilly from the NFL League office. O'Reilly's response per Murphy was, quote, that would be great, end quote. Okay, so it sounds like the NFL is all about the spectacle. Like, if we can get snow in May at the NFL draft, it sounds like they're going to be pretty excited about that because... Odds of that happening anywhere else probably aren't that great. Murphy also pointed out, as did the Packers, that it's not the Packers or the Green Bay that will decide where the stage is going to go for the actual draft itself. You know, where the podium goes, where the players walk up and hug Goodell and all of that stuff. They themselves do not determine where it goes. The NFL will determine where it goes. This is where it's not going. It's not going in the rest center. Capacity of people is way too small. So you can just forget about that one. So as far as I'm concerned, your two top, your two options are Title Town, right, somewhere out there, or two in Lambeau Field. And I'm here to tell you 
The obvious and easy answer to this is putting it in Lambeau Field. That is by far the easiest answer. You put it in one end zone, right? And the seats behind the end zone obviously get uh, blocked off or whatever the case may be, so nobody is sitting there. The rest of the seats are all sold. You have a ton of fold-up chairs and so forth on Lambeau Field, on the grass, uh, and that whole deal. I think that would be cool. The players themselves, I think, could uh, essentially walk out of the tunnel like a player would walk out of the tunnel when their name gets called and then walk up onto the stage. I think that would be a kind of a cool look uh, as well as they come through. I really think it would be cool if they had it in the actual football stadium. To my belief, and my memory is uh, getting worse by the day, but to my belief, I don't believe they've done this in an actual stadium yet. You're going to Green Bay, Wisconsin for the history. You're going to Green Bay, Wisconsin for the lore, right? The Packers Museum. There should be a ton of footage from inside that Packers Museum. A ton. I was listening to uh, NFL radio. And Charles Davis uh, was talking about how he knows Green Bay is going to put on a party. Like, it's going to be unbelievable. And Charles Davis, uh, again, remember, former Packer, did say that he was surprised that Green Bay hasn't been a part of this sooner. Shocked that they hadn't been a part of this sooner. So to me, that is something that tells me that it's all about, it's because it's the Packers, right? It's not because they're going to be good in 2025. We have no idea if they're going to be good in 2025 one way or the other. No clue. But because it is the Packers and the history that goes along with it, that is why everybody is anxious to see how this whole thing is going to play out. So for me, it's definitely, without question, going to be in that stadium. We'll see where they end up putting it. It's the NFL's decision, as I stated. But I am really interested to know. By the way, I said Charles Davis with the Packers. He didn't play for the Packers. I don't know what the heck I was thinking. I was with the Cowboys, though. But my point in all of this is use the history. Use what you have. The Ring of Honor, right? Any of those Hall of Famers that are still alive, that are in the Ring of Honor, should be part of this draft process one way or the other. That's definitely part of it. Now, I know. Sparky, what happens if it rains out? Then what? Then you bring an umbrella. That stage that they have in Kansas City is covered. It could have rained in Kansas City. In fact, it did rain. Was it two years ago or was it this last? No, it wasn't this last year. Maybe it was two years ago. There was rain uh, during a draft. So that's going to happen. And if you're sitting at Lambeau Field, then bring an umbrella. Come on, folks. We can sit out there in five-degree weather, snow blowing sideways, and watch a Packer game. We're surely not going to cry about a little rain happening while the draft is going on. So to me, if I'm in charge, if I'm Goodell, I want it in an end zone and go that way. That would be the way I'd want to do it. I mean, the other option I guess you could do, and they would have to build a new stage. I don't know if they're willing to do that. God knows they have a ton of money, though. Maybe you build a circular stage that essentially you have podiums maybe going all the way around uh, in a circle. Uh, and each pick there's a is is a different uh, pick. So you know, pick one is facing the north end zone. Then the second pick is facing the east side. And the next pick is facing the south side. The next pick is facing the west side. 
Uh, and essentially, everybody gets to see Goodell facing them for pictures and athletes and so forth. Now, Goodell obviously would have to remember which one he's going to and so forth. But a circular type stage would allow you to pull that one off if that's something you want to do. The other thing uh, that goes into this is if you want to have that rock band playing or country band or R&B or whatever you're going to have out there for entertainment, like they had in Kansas City, you could put that opposite on the opposite end zone can be where that band is playing or whatever. They've hosted concerts at Lambeau and done all of that. They've got the sound system to make it sound great. They've got all of that stuff. It would sound a heck of a lot better than what it did in Kansas City outside. I'm pretty confident in saying Lambeau Field would would put on a better concert uh, in commercial breaks before and after and that whole deal. That makes a lot of sense as well. So I, to, to me, it's a no-brainer. It goes inside Lambeau Field. It, that, that makes the most sense. Now, the next thing we got to talk about are the hotels. And oh my God, where's everybody going to stay? They're going to have to stay in Green Bay. They're going to have to make that drive. I saw some some people on Twitter going, I'm not going to the draft. I don't want to be driving all over the place. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, that that might be it. You know, you're going to have Green Bay. You're going to have Appleton uh, and so forth. And after that, it's going to start working its way back. But everybody is going to benefit from this financially. And I promise you, folks, these people that are coming from all over the country to the NFL draft are coming for the NFL draft. But now if it's in Lambeau, it's to see Lambeau, to see what it's all about, to see all you tailgating and partying before the draft and throughout the week and all the tailgating and stuff going on. They aren't going to care if they have to drive 45 minutes to get to the draft from wherever they are staying at a hotel in Wisconsin or an hour or whatever the case may be. This is going to be a once in a lifetime opportunity for these folks to come be a part of something really special. The draft is in Detroit in 2024. And with all due respect to my guy, Jeff Rieger at the ticket, who I love dearly, that is not the same as what's about to go down in Green Bay. It's just not. Will they have more people, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Maybe they'll have more people uh, for theirs. But it's not going to be the same type of once-in-a-lifetime special type of deal. Yes, it's the draft, sure. But how many people are going to go, dude, I'm not going to Detroit. I'll wait. I'll go to Green Bay. I'll go to Lambeau. I'll wait another year. Or I'm going to wait till it's somewhere warm, and then I'm going to go if you're in a Midwest or an East Coast city. That could be. But you start talking about legendary stadiums. Like Fenway, Lambeau, and Wrigley. Not again. Wrigley's not the same Wrigley anymore, but it's still Wrigley Field. I mean, technically, it's still the same same spot it was, and so forth. They've done so much change, and they've done a lot of change to Lambeau over the years. So Lambeau's not much different, I guess. They're putting up brand new big uh, scoreboards at Lambeau and the whole deal. But anytime you have one of those iconic stadiums, and that's a bucket list thing for a lot of people, and people are going to come. And people are going to watch and people are going to deal with everything that goes along with it. There's no question about it. that It's going to work that way. Now, it's funny. Our guy, Marcus Eversall, you can follow on Twitter, Marcus Eversall, part of WDUZ in Green Bay. Better call Eversall, his afternoon show. He uh, put up on Twitter, we know Green Bay will host the 2025 draft. We don't know a lot of the details. Let's get creative, whatever your idea is. What should Green Bay do to make this work. Real or goofy answers are all obviously acceptable uh, at the end of the day. So there's a lot of different ones. One of them that had me laughing was from Nick 
uh, on Twitter, who says, set the stage at the bottom of the Arians Hill and have draftees slide down, pad and pending. Yeah, that would be kind of goofy and fun to have the draft pick sliding down the hill or whatever the case may be. And who knows? Maybe they'll do something uh, goofy and fun like that. God knows the Murphy sliding down the hill uh, pick and meme has lived on forever and probably will continue to live on forever. Uh, Joseph says, have the main stage in the middle of Lambo with snow falling or have Goodell open the draft by sliding down the hill. Each first round pick slides down the hill, whereby meets Goodell at the bottom. I don't think Goodell's going to do that. I mean, I, I understand the whole, yeah, I think it was in Vegas. They had boats or whatever and all of that stuff. I, I just, I, I still can't imagine that they're going to do something like that. I, I don't, I think it'll be too goofy uh, at the end of the day uh, to make that thing work. Now, here's one that I thought was entertaining. Andrew uh, says, I like the idea of uh, round one picks riding a kid's bike across the stage to hug the commissioner. I also like the idea of, uh, like, the brewers shouting out to taverns, various dive bar owners getting to make announcements. That's not going to happen. Andrew, there's no chance NFL will allow that. But the riding kid's bike thing, that's cool. That's original to Green Bay. People love the concept, I think, around the country. I think it's pretty cool. And then you allow kids to actually go up. I, If it's me, you allow the kid to go on the stage with the athlete riding the little bike or whatever the case may be across the stage. The commissioner gets to meet the draft pick, and the kid gets to meet the commissioner as well. That is sweet. Like, I absolutely love that idea. Now, will they do that? I don't know. But I absolutely love that idea. A lot of people responding to this about Goodell at the bottom of the hill and having everybody come running down, like I, or come sliding down. I don't think that's that's going to happen. I really don't. So, there you go. Those are some of the ideas. And Marcus Eversall has a bunch more. If you want to go uh, read his uh, Twitter account, you can see all the different replies. But those were some of the fun ones that I saw. I love the bicycle idea. Really do. I think it's a it's a cool concept uh, and way to go. And again, if they're coming out of the tunnel. You could easily make that happen. A little ramp or whatever for them to ride up the ramp uh, to get onto the stage from the tunnel with the kid. That, that to me, seems like a no-brainer. Thanks for checking out. Curd and Long. We'll do another one coming up on Friday. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a good one. And don't forget, you can download this on your Odyssey app and download it wherever you download your favorite podcast. And, of course, the Odyssey Sports YouTube page from time to time. We'll throw some videos up there as well. Have a good one. Toodles.